0: Sikha Chelik Tezvav, volume fifteen, the second Sikha for In order to better flow through the Sikha, I would suggest that we review several verses which will come up throughout the Sikha. Um, number one, if we go back to when Yosef was born and he was named by his mother Rachel. This is in chapter 30, Pasuk Chavdalit, verse 24. It says over there that she called him Yosef, because she said, Yosef Hashem li ben acher, literally translated, Hashem should add to me another son. Chasidis explains the deeper meaning of this, that what it means is that the purpose of Yosef is to Yosef, to add, that he should increase, to generate more. To generate more what? Ben acher, to take from acher, to take from another, something that's outside the fold, and turn it into a bane, turn it into a son, so to speak, a follower of Hashem. So Yosef's whole purpose is to increase, to generate more of holiness. Let's go now to ver- to chapter 41 verse 51. Okay? This is when Yosef has his two sons. And what does it say? How does it describe the two sons and what he named them? It says that, quote, Yosef called the elder son. He called him a why? Because Because Hashem had made me forget. He put me to the situation which would make me forget all my hardship and my father's house. Meaning, this I'm in a situation which causes me to feel detached from my past, from my history, from my father's house. The next verse says, "Quote." And the second one he called Ephraim. What does the word Ephraim mean? Because he says, Because he says, for Hashem had made me fertile, he made me multiply, he made me increase in the land of my affliction. So this is this this is the second set of verses that I that I would suggest that we become more familiar with. The third one is from this week's Parsha, chapter 48, verse 5. When Yaakov says to Yosef, quote, And now your two sons, which were born to you, Ad Bo'i before I even came to you down to you, to the land of Egypt. They are to me, your two sons, Ephraim and Menasha, they will be to me counted as, as my two eldest sons, Reuven and Shimon, just like Reuven and Shimon, each one is considered a tribe in their own right. Likewise, your tribe will split into two, that both of them will be counted as if they were one of my sons. In this Sikha, we're going to get a better appreciation to the debate that went on between. Yaakov and Yosef in the story when he switched the hands, as we'll get into in a moment, and its application to our lives, to the situation that we are we are in throughout the last two thousand years of Jewish history. So now uh, let's get into the sech. In our parsha, it says it relates how Yosef brought his two sons Ephraim and Manasseh, and he placed them in front of his father Yaakov with the intention that Yaakov should bless them. What did he do? He put the elder son, which was Menashe, uh, by the right hand of Yaakov. The eldest usually gets a double portion. The eldest is considered to be on a greater standing than the rest of the sons. And, and, and Ephraim he put near the left hand with the intention that Yaakov should put his right hand on, on, on Minasha, his left hand on Ephraim. Instead, when Yaakov went to bless them, he switched his hands and Yaakov put his right hand on Ephraim, his left hand on Minasha. And Yosef, was quite upset by this. He didn't agree with it. And he said to his father, he said, Not so, my father, for he is the eldest. He should have the right hand, which is representative of a double measure of greater importance, placed on his hand. And what does Yaakov respond? Yaakov says to him, I surely know my son. I know what you know. I know that he's the first one. However, Ephraim, the younger one, Although the older one will be great, but the old, the younger one will be, will be even greater than him. And therefore, it says, and it concludes, he put Ephraim before Menashe. So there are several things that need to be clarified. They need to be better understood. Number one, it is true, indeed, and you see that Yaakov insisted on highlighting this truth, that Ephraim will be greater than Menashe. But the question is: the whole idea of a bechor, of a firstborn, is that he is greater; he has a double portion and, and 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 loftier than the rest of the brothers. Question: Why did Hashem make it so that by divine providence, Ephraim is not the firstborn? Rather, Menashe, who at least according to this account, according to this way of of rendering things, menasha menasha is lower than Ephraim. So why did Hashem make it so that he is the firstborn? And therefore you can come to a conclusion from this that although Ephraim will be greater will be in the future yet there is a great advantage there is great purpose in Menasheh for which reason Hashem made it that he should be the firstborn in other words concerning so to speak, the approach of Yosef, as we'll soon get a better understanding. Menashe is the firstborn, this is the order of things. However, when it comes to the bracha, when it comes to the blessing of Yaakov, especially the blessing as it pertains to the future, to bringing out the potential future, there the highlight is Ephraim, there Ephraim is greater than than, um, than Menashe. And this we'll understand a little better soon. Uh, that's one point. Another point that needs to be clarified, needs to be better understand understood we know that there's no such thing as a tzaddik making quote a mistake no mistakes especially when it comes to the avos to the matriarchs to the patriarchs to the shvatim to the to the 12 tribes these were great tzaddikim these are the cornerstones of our people of our nation of our people and therefore there's no mistakes especially and furthermore when the Torah makes a point to share it with us. The Torah makes a point to relate it to us. So it's understood and it's quite clear that all this is true, there's no mistake, there's truth in what Yosef thought, there's truth in what Yaakov thought, and both together each one has an application for us in our lives, for which reason the Torah chose to share it with us. And therefore we need to get a better appreciation, a better understanding as to what was the debate over here between the two of them. Both of them were right, both of them have a point, but it depends on the approach Do you approach it from yosef's um uh point of view or do you approach it from uh, yaakov's point of view or better yet do you approach it from the mode of avodah, of service of hashem of yosef the mode of action of yosef or do you approach it from the mode of action of of yaakov and therefore we see an interesting thing when it comes to naming the sons in other words in the sequence of things, in the actual chronological sequence, how did it go down? When Yosef is naming the sons, from Yosef's approach, first he names the first son Manasha, and the next son he names Ephraim. When it comes to Yaakov, saying in that verse that we quoted earlier, quote, Ephraim and Menasheh, they are to me, they are mine, they become like mine, like my two sons, he names Ephraim, and then he names Menasheh. What does this all mean in a practical sense? Let's let's get it down to a practical point. You see, the two names Menashe and Ephraim, they what do they represent? As the first tells us, the name Menashe and Ephraim were expressions of the feelings of 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 what Yosef was going through, of what Yosef was experiencing, being in this difficult situation, being in captivity, being in Mitzrayim, being away from home, what he was experiencing, and each one expresses another extreme, another side of what he was experiencing. You see, Menashe expresses the fact that he was in a place that's tearing him away from the past, that is really trying, is, is so, so to speak, trying to sever his connection to, quote, his father's house and all that it carries with it. And all that it means, and therefore he needs to constantly remind himself by calling his son Menashe that he should not become detached from the past. What is Ephraim? Ephraim is another sense. Ephraim expresses that even though he is, quote, in the land of my affliction, in a place where I forget my father's house, in a place that makes me become detached from it, yet I am I am I am Ephraim. I I I, I, I am I am growing, I am fruitful. I am multiplying. I am achieving. Notwithstanding that, or as we soon learn, perhaps because of that. You see, these these two things are uh, connect to us as we are Jews in galus. In galus means an exile, torn away from our past, torn away from our glory of the torn away from who we we were and who we should be. And we see it in two in two manners. In the one hand, what does a Jew do? A Jew being in galus does everything possible not to quote Menashe, not to be torn away from the past, not to be torn away from our heritage, not to be torn away from our way of life, not to be detached from our past history from what was and the way we should be. And the other hand, what does a Jew do? In the Gullus, in the darkness of our surroundings, a Jew does everything in order to not only not be influenced by the surroundings, but to influence the surroundings. To take the negativity of Galus, to take the negativity of the darkness, and turn it into light, and and transform it into something good. Not just to break it, but on the contrary, to take it itself, and turn it into something positive. And, and in other words, because a Yid is in Galus, that's why the Yid actually becomes greater. Because it is in God, it's understood that Hashem wouldn't send us here just to torture us, just to put us in a position where we have to constantly fight not to forget the past. There has to be a good purpose in all of it, an objective which we need to realize by being here. As the Rebbe will explain, the order of things is first we work on not forgetting the past, and then we work on, we take it to the next level, which is to become, not only we shouldn't become affected by it, in other words, not only working on the negative, not to get you know, drawn into it, into the Golos, but moreover, now we reach the next level where we take it and we turn it into a positive, we turn it into something meaningful and we grow through it and because of it. And now we can understand why Yaakov said, quote, Ephraim will be even greater than him. Because the ultimate purpose of of everything, the ultimate purpose of Golos, the same that happened to Yosef, was not the Menasha, was the Ephraim, to turn something into into, in, 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 to turn this yirida, this downfall, to take this as descent and turn it into an ascent, to make it, to, to make it, to give it that itself should become the catalyst, the energy which makes us grow even higher and go high and, and go and go to a place which otherwise we couldn't we couldn't have achieved. However, the question is then, so then why is Menashe the Bechor? Why is Menashe the firstborn? And the answer is because in the normal order of things, the way things go about, the way things happen, the order, the chronological order, the sequence of events is such that first you work on not forgetting the past, on not becoming detached from the past. In other words, the way they are born, when Yosef is naming them, the order of things is first comes Menashe, and only afterwards comes Ephraim. And therefore, Yosef, who, who, who represents actuality, as it actually went down, first he named Menashe and then he named Ephraim. However, Yaakov, who is now giving them the blessings for, and to bring out the potential, in other words, to bring out and express the ultimate purpose of it all, he first puts a frame first. He puts a frame first. He puts a frame as priority because that is the purpose of it all. That is the end game. That is the ultimate purpose of why this whole thing is happening. Why it happened with Yosef. That's, that's in, 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 in Yosef's particular, uh, um, uh, circumstance and why collectively and in a general sense, it happens to all of us how we're all in colors. That the ultimate purpose is a frame. And that's why he put a frame before Minasha. To take it a little, a little on a, a a deeper, more from a more a little take it to a deeper level. Let's look and, and understand what happens when a Jew is in Gullahs. In other words, what does Gullahs do? What does it bring out in the Jew? The Rebbe says if you could look at it on three different levels. In other words, it triggers three different things. One greater than the other. Number one, it awakens in the soul the inner strength, the inner tenacity in the soul that it should not get affected. It should help the Jew not get affected by his surroundings. That's number one. Number two, on a much greater level, in a much deeper level, it brings out the inner qualities in the the neshama, in the soul of the Jew, that it helps the Jew not only that he shouldn't be affected by the surroundings, but in fact that he should influence the surroundings. Now these two have a very strong string in common, that they both bring out what is already dear in the soul. They both bring out the strength in the soul, in other words, just like when you have an opponent, it brings out some inner strength, it brings out some inner tenacity, some inner conviction that you wouldn't have known otherwise that you have you wouldn't have realized otherwise otherwise, so too, the gullow brings out that which is was potentially all along there in the in the soul in the soul of a person in the in the in the in the capacity of the person but just the person didn't realize it Then there's the third thing. The third thing is that you become you become something and you accomplish something that even the soul itself would never be able to do it. The soul itself never have the potential to do it. And that is that because of the gulus because of the darkness, because of the negativity that's around you, when you take that negativity and you harness it to good, you take that darkness and you transform it into light, you now reach and accomplish something which the soul itself never even had potential to do. In other words, it brings you to such great heights Higher than what even the soul, in its deepest level, would have potentially had. Now we'll understand how the soul goes down. You see, what is the idea of Yosef? What is the purpose of Yosef? As we did in the introduction, we, we got an appreciation that the idea of Yosef is to add, to increase, to take the bad and turn it into good, to bring out good in the surroundings, to bring out good in surroundings. In other words, to take the i the concept of Yaakov, to take the emes, the truth of Yaakov, and bring it out into the world. Thus, Yosef had two sons, Menashe and Ephraim. Menashe is the is the, is like that first concept that we meant just mentioned in the soul. What happens? The first thing that happens that's triggered the first level that is triggered in in the soul when you have the opposition when you have the the um, the challenge of Golas and that is not to forget, not to be influenced by the surroundings, not to get affected by it. Then you have Ephraim. Ephraim means there's an increase. You grow, you bring out something good, but that is again still within the realm of Yosef. But then there is a deeper, deeper thing, a much greater thing which which is only Expressed in a much greater level of a frying which Yaakov was referring to, and that's why Yaakov put a frying before Menashe. And now the question, however, is: if that's the case, it would seem it would seem that since the whole concept of Yosef is to bring out more and to increase and to generate more, even in the acher, even in the outside, then it would seem to follow rationally, that Ephraim should be more connected to Yosef and whereas Menashe should be more connected to Yaakov because it's connecting to the past. The answer is, the answer lies in the words that Yaakov said to Yosef. What did Yaakov say to Yosef when he was said, told him about his two sons, that he is now going to induct them into the group of the tribes. He's now going to make them like his own two sons. He said to him, now your two sons who were born to you before I even ever came down to you, they shall be like Reuven and Mishima. They shall be like my two sons. Now, why was it necessary for him to add this point? Why couldn't you just say your two sons, Ephraim and Menashe, will be like Reuven and Mishima. Why emphasize, why make this point of them having been born before I even came? Because that was Yaakov's point. Yaakov's point was that the true expression of the power of Yaakov, of the quality of the good, is truly and ultimately expressed in these two sons who were born in a place, were born in a time, were born in a certain, and raised in a circumstance which was not in Yaakov's home before I came to you, quote unquote, before they even never saw me, and yet. They resemble my children. There you can see the true quality, the true power of the neshama, the true power of the good, that they were the same quality, the same caliber as my sons, although they never saw me, although they never came. they came. And this is why he explains it. This is why he says, li they are to me. Because this brings out me. This brings out the emes, the, the, the attribute of emes, the truth, the integrity of Yaakov. This brings out how they are all his sons. And now we can understand why why Ephraim is more connected to to Yaakov and whereas Menashe is more connected to Yosef. You see, Ephraim brings out the ultimate, as we explained, that Ephraim brings out that even when one seems to be detached, even when one seems to be distant, even when one seems to be so far away from, quote, my father's house, Yet they're able to generate more. Yet they're able to accomplish. Yet they're able to transform the darkness that's around them. Whereas Menashe brings out the idea of not to separate from the past, not to become disconnected, not to become detached. Thus, Yosef, he saw Yaakov. Yosef was raised by Yaakov. Yosef had, so to speak, his strength because of Yaakov. And therefore, Yosef is connected to Yaakov. Yosef's power is still that of Yaakov, but it's still, it's in a revealed manner because he was there by Yaakov and because he had, quote, Menashe, not forgotten his attachment to Yaakov, which is their concept of Menashe, not to forget, to maintain that connection, to the maintain that, so to speak, open energy line to the past, to Yaakov, that's why he was able to accomplish what he accomplished. A, not to get influenced by his surroundings, and B, to even influence his surroundings. As we see in Yosef, he was the ruler of Egypt. He ruled over Egypt. Egypt didn't rule over him. He ruled over Egypt. But Ephraim, that is the ultimate connection to Yaakov. Because Ephraim brings out the true inner quality of the emes of Yaakov. Why is that? Because Ephraim, as we explained, brings out the idea of even when one seems to be detached, even when one seems to be embedded within the Galus, within the darkness, the darkness is all around you. And maybe perhaps you have already um, some some, um, uh, points, so to speak, of forgetfulness, of detachment from your past, from your father's home. You're being raised totally in a foreign place. You never saw your father's home. You never saw the truth. You never saw the base of Mikdash. Yet over there, you're able to influence it with Kedusha. Not only influence it, but take it itself and transform it into Kedusha. So, in other words, the true expression of Yaakov is realized in the ultimate sense in a frayim, more so than a Minasha. True, true. The purpose of Yosef is to channel the aspects of Yaakov, the base of the father's house. However, I- I- in the revealed influence of Yaakov, which remain—it is—I'm sorry—it is the revealed influence of Yaakov which remains in Yosef, which seems to be the trigger that helps Yosef accomplish what he's supposed to accomplish. That gets ex- that gets expressed in Menashe, whereas Ephraim, that expresses the influence, the true influence of the power of Yaakov. Ephraim expresses the fact that Yaakov is alive. The emiss of Yaakov is still so strong and, and so so powerfully transforms the surroundings even and especially when the darkness is overtaken.